Okay, you ready? Yeah. Okay, good evening, everybody. Thank you for coming. Um, a lot of uh, thank yous to start. First, of course, thank you to Mrs. Bloom for opening up your beautiful home to uh, host this. And um, thank you to um, the people who are not here. We'll do that first. Uh, Rob Ryan and uh, Glazer and Alex Puddles, who coaxed me into uh, responding to the email from the Nishay Heads. <laughs> And so thank you, Mrs. Cass and Mrs. Glazer, for uh, working with me and uh, helping fine-tune the topic. And um, thank you, everybody, for coming so we can work this through together, Bezos Hashem. So the title today, and uh, hopefully we will accomplish it, is Discussing from Pesach Sheni until Shavuos, a Second Chance for Everyone. So I want to start with introducing the concept of today was what we call Pesach Sheni. We'll start in the Torah where that's discussed. And... Um, Try to glean from there a message for, for us from Pesach Sheni, from, for Sfira, and for Shavuos as well. So in Parshas Baha'u'llah, it's kind of tucked away, not in what we, the classical Parshas of Yitzhiya Spitzrayim, when Klayasol is in the Midbar and up to the second carbon Pesach. So the Torah very briefly describes those beginning of the second carbon Pesach. And then the Torah says, Anashim, Asher hayu There were people who were Tomei, they couldn't do Pesach in Nisan. So they came with um, the state their claim before Moshe and Aaron to see what they should do because they didn't want to miss out on the opportunity of bringing Carmen Pesach. And what did they say? So the men said to Moshe, These men, Behold, we were Tomei. Why should we be left out? So that we will not be able to offer the carbon of Hashem in its appropriate time, So they came with a good claim. Why should we miss out? Why should we lose out on the opportunity to bring carbon Pesach? So immediately, Moshe, Moshe responds and says, Stay right here. Don't go away. And I'm going to tell you what Hashem is going to tell you. So let's start off with a few questions. First of all, the Torah doesn't tell us who these people were. Now, we know the end result is going to be that, you know, I don't read all the Pesukim inside, but Hashem tells Moshe, the mitzvah of Pesach Sheni, and that's it. Now we have the mitzvah of, of Pesach Sheni. If you miss your first opportunity, you have the opportunity again. Now, this was a major event, so to speak. This was an impetus for a new mitzvah that was coming around. Why didn't the Torah tell us who these people were? Now, Chazal and the Gemara and the Midrashim bring various opinions who these people were and why they were Tameh. But in the Torah itself, it's, it's lacking. We should have, we have Benos Tzalafchad, they get a whole parasha, they get a lot of fame for what they brought about. Even Korach gets a lot of fame, for, or infamous fame, whatever, however you want to put it, for what he did. The people here seemingly brought about a great thing, and we don't even know who they are. Secondly, it's a little bit interesting that Moshe doesn't say, like in the end of this past week's parasha, we had the tragic story of the, of the Mekalel. So they're not sure what to do with him. They lock him up. Moshe says, we're going to see what we're going to do. It took some time, not too long, but, you know, there was a few minute delay, so to speak, to figure out what to do. Here, Moshe Rabbeinu says, you know, don't hang up. Stay right here. Don't even sit down. Stay. I'll be right back in a minute. I'm going to, so to speak, call Hashem, and I have direct communication. I'm going to tell you right now, like, how, did, well, how is Moshe so confident here, particularly, that he's going to have the answer right away? Maybe... So to speak, Hashem was busy. Maybe there was something else that's going to happen. Maybe Hashem's going to say, well, let's, you know, don't answer them yet. Let's see something else. How did Moshe Rabbeinu say, you know, no, seemingly he knew that the answer is going to be forthcoming immediately. So before we answer these questions, we're going to have to, you know, if we answer the questions right away, we'll be out in five minutes. So 
First, just a little background on Pesach Sheni. So we all know of the concept of Pesach Sheni. It's in these few psukim and parshas Baloscha. Um, but it's interesting is that there's no real halachic significance for us nowadays. Not just us nowadays, but even in the times of the Beis HaMikdash, for the majority of the time, for the majority of the people, it had no significance. Most of the time, in a regular scenario, people were able to be ready for Pesach on time. They, you, know, you knew when it was going to be pretty much within a certain range. Calendar wasn't as set as it was today, but you, know, you pretty much knew, so you work out your plans. You know, don't go somewhere else this time of year. You're going to have to be older regel. Obviously, people become tame or people get sick. Fine, those are the you know, minority of cases. The majority of people were ready for Pesach and took the trek to get up for the Beis HaMikdash. For the most people, so Pesach Sheni really had no halachic significance. And especially nowadays, where we didn't have a Pesach Rishon, unfortunately, so for sure it has no halachic uh, ramifications. There is a discussion in the postkin, which we're not going to discuss, but just what would happen theoretically if the Beis HaMikdash would have been rebuilt between the first Pesach, and the second Pesach, let's say, Rosh Chodesh Iyar, would we have brought this year the carbon Pesach on Pesach Sheni or not? That's a nice halachic discussion, but again, that only would have been relevant if the Beis HaMikdash would have been built in that month between Pesach Rishon and Pesach Sheni. So why is it that we're so, like, still, like, thinking about it and talking about it? People, Many people have the minute to eat matzah. Again, it's not obligatory, it's a, it's a minute, but why, why are we hanging on to something which is seemingly has very little uh, halachic significance. So let's digress a little bit away from Pesach Sheni and focus on the days of Sphira. So we're all familiar with, um, we are now in the 49 day period between um, second day of Pesach and Matan Torah. But particularly as we know, the, there are 33 days of Sphira, depending exactly on which custom you hold, of where we're actively involved in mourning the Talmidim Rabbi Akiva. There was a fascinating shir last week about uh, the Sphere of Omer, we're going to try to discuss it from a different angle, so it should be a little bit different. But we're all familiar with the basic story in the Gemara. The Gemara tells the story that there were 12,000 pairs, meaning 24,000 Talmidim Rabbi Akiva had, which is obviously a tremendous number. As great and as large as the yeshivas we, are, we have today, Lakewood, Namir, and Eretzisol, nothing even gets close to it yet. We still haven't hit 10,000 in either one of those tremendous places. But here Rabbi Akiva had 24,000. And we know that they perished during sometime the 33 days during this period. Now, the Gemara is not a history book, and it's not here to tell us the stories. Obviously, there's a lesson to be learned. And the, we have an expression, Chazal, Divri Torah, or Aniyim B'makam Echad, V'ashir B'makam Acher, meaning the Torah and Chazal sometimes will give certain details in one place, and we look somewhere else, we find others. If you want to be a historian, sometimes you have to learn how to cut and paste and put things together. So we're familiar with the way the Gemara tells us the story for the most part. Like I said, there was 12,000 pairs, 24,000. We know the phrase, and they, and they perished. And Rabbi Kiva starts again with five new Talmidim. There's a Medrash in Bereshus Rab, in Parshas Chayesara, where it brings down the basic story as well, but it has a few slight nuances of changes. I want to try to focus on them. So it starts with the following uh, statement to Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva Omer, Rabbi Akiva taught us, if a person has students in his years of youth, he should continue to have new students in his older years. Shouldn't rely on the fact that he was a teacher in his younger years. Because you don't know which ones are going to have an everlasting impact. And obviously Rabbi Akiva was the 
a prime example of that. Or all your students will excel, the younger ones that you had in your younger years and the ones you had in your older years, and you have a tremendous um, uh, a, a amount of students. So then the Medrash continues. There were 12,000 Talmidim to Rabbi Akiva. Here, again, the Gemara says there were 12,000 peers, which are 24,000. Here, the Medrash, the way it says it, seems like there were 12,000. Okay, maybe it means the same idea, 12,000 peers. And throughout Eretz Yisrael, So the Medrash says, why did they perish in this time? So literally, that's translated, their eyes were narrow one towards the other. They had a certain way they looked at one another. So it's similar to what the Gemara said, but there's a phraseology here which is a little different, and I want to pick up on that in a moment. And then the Medrash says, again, our Gemara says that Rabbi Kiva then reestablished with five, the Medrash says he reestablished with seven, and it lists who they are. Okay, so that's a slight discrepancy as well, five and seven, we're not going to focus on that too much now. But then, what, how does Rabbi Akiva, so to speak, restart his yeshiva? What's the pep talk he says? Omar Lahem, he tells his students, Bonai, my precious children, Harishonim lo mesu, the like, earlier Talmudim perished, Ela shahosa ineyam tsara elu leilu. Again, this phrase, they looked, you know, with a certain disparaging way to one another. To nu daitchem, be careful, you know, pay attention, shlo tasu kimaseyem, you know, don't repeat that mistake. Okay. Amdu umilu kol eretz Yisrael tova. The Medrash concludes that they got up, after that pep talk, and they spread Torah throughout Eretz Yisrael. Okay, and then the marriage continues, whatever it was discussing. So again, it's a very similar story, but a few different nuances. And the first thing is, the, term, the phraseology, it changes from, which was the Gemara's term, which we're more familiar with. The Medrash says it, and then what's interesting is the pep talk he gives them. You, you would think that the pep talk should be, um, there was a problem with Derech in the last uh, few years, in the last uh, time period. We got to work on our Midos. Let's get Midos centers set up throughout Eretz Yisrael, teach everyone good Midos, and then we'll go back to spreading Torah. All he says is, don't repeat the mistake, and then all of a sudden Eretz Yisrael is filled with Torah again. So Eretz Yisrael wasn't filled with Torah before, wasn't filled with Torah before. What exactly is, is going on over here? So there's a commentator on the side of the Medrash called the Yifei Toar. And the Yifei Torah says, he explains what does it mean, Shalom, um, the phrase, Shahosa Eneim Tzara Elu Be'elu. He says, Lohoyu Rotsim Lohoel Belima. They didn't want to help one another in their learning. So here you have yeshivas, excuse me, huge Batim Midrashim filled with people learning, and they weren't there to help one another. Velachain, so he concludes and he says, this is the Yifei Torah speaking, Ha'achronim, the later students, who were there to help one another, they were able to properly fill the whole land of Israel with Torah. So it seems like it wasn't just that they weren't having proper respect for one another, there was something in their learning that was not, they were not able to communicate one another or respect one another in their level of learning. And once that was the new, the new generation, or the new crop, of Tamidim that were able to accomplish that, or they knew they had to accomplish that, they were just able to spread Torah. So let's try our best to understand this. But before we explain this, let's just take one more step. The Gemara tells us, the Medrash doesn't mention this, but the Gemara, which again recounts the story of a Tamidim Rebbe Kiva, it says the Misa that all the Tamidim died was what's called the Misa of Askira, some type of uh, gruesome throat disease that they all died from. And it um, doesn't give too much more explanation, that's what it's called. But there is another Gemara, in Shabbos, the Gemara there discusses that a person who suffers from this death of Askara, 
uh, he suffers this because of the avon of Bittal Torah, because he didn't properly use it, utilize the time for Torah. So now, again, the Gemara tells us that the, the reason why Tamidim Rebbe Kiva perished was a question of They died the Mis of Askara. The Medrash says they had this other deficiency of Shahisa Inayim Tzara Elula Elu. And the next generation or the next the new, the new students were able to fill the land of Torah. The Gemara tells us that they died from this death called Askara. And there's another Gemara which tells us Askara comes from Bittal Torah. Now, none of the Medrash and the Gemara, no one said that they had this um, problem of Bittal Torah. So why did they suffer the death of Askara? Seemingly, Askara shouldn't have been the proper death for them. They should have had some other unfortunate ending. Why specifically is Askara? So I want to uh, try my best to explain this based on a Chassam Sofer. And the Chassam Sofer tells us a fundamental understanding between different ways of teaching Torah. And this Chassam Sofer, he discussed in numerous places. I'm just paraphrasing um, what actually his son wrote in an introduction to the works of the, the Chuvis, the, the halachic works that the Chassam Sofer were, that were published after he died. The Chassam Sofer was a prolific author. They're still publishing today, 200 plus years later after he died, some of his writings. He didn't publish anything in his lifetime. He left over, I don't know, a tremendous amount of writings. He was a, a rub for, came out his whole life, um, from his young adulthood. He lived a uh, nice to an uh, older age. He was a, he was taught Torah for over 60 years. He left over a lot of Torah, and his, his starting from his sons and continuing, even till today, they're continuously publishing his work. So in, in one of the introductions there, his son, uh, quoting a lot from him, brings the following idea. We have a Pasuk in the Navi, which refers to Avraham as Avraham Ohavi. Avraham Avinu, Avraham was my beloved one. And the question is, why particularly did he ask, the Chassam Sofer asked, why did Avraham get that term that he's the Ohavi, he's the beloved one to Hashem? Yitzchak wasn't from the forefathers, Yaakov, Moshe Rabbeinu, there's a lot of our, of our great leaders. What, why is the term to Avraham given particularly? So Chassam Sofer says, if we think about it, we often think that Avram, you know, we think Avram was the first person who discovered monotheism. He spread a lot of that belief to the world around him. It was a pagan world, and that's true. But if we look at the end of Parshas Bereshis, he wasn't the first person to believe only in Hashem. There was a great tzaddik named Hanoch. The Pasuk doesn't tell us too much about Hanoch, but the Pasuk says, Hanoch walked with Hashem, and then he was no longer there. Hanoch was, so to speak, taken straight up. He didn't have a natural death. And the Rishon, the Baal there, and the Rishonim explain that Hanoch just kind of morphed straight up to the Shemayin and he became a Malach. So Hanoch obviously was on a very, very high Madrega, but at the same time, Hanoch was not from our Avos. He wasn't chosen to be one of the leader of a Jewish people, right? We don't ascribe ourselves to, in the lineage of Hanoch, we ascribe ourselves to Avram, Mitzvah, Yaakov, etc. So what's the difference? Why was Avram, so to speak, chosen to be the one who's going to be the Av HaMongom? He's going to be our leader. And Hanoch, although he reached a tremendously high madrega of literally becoming a Malach, he's not known, he not, doesn't go down, so to speak, as being one of our leaders. So Chassam Sofer says as follows, and I'll paraphrase some of the words and we'll, we'll speak it out. He says, Who do we have greater than Hanoch? With his amazing connection and clinging to Hashem. He ceased from being a man. And he became, like we said, one of the Malachim. didn't purify himself to such a madrega that we find that Avram Vinu, when he, he died a natural death, so to speak, 
and he got buried in this world, we don't find that he went upstairs to Shemaim, he became a Malach. Obviously, Avram Avinu was, is in a tremendously high Madrega. But why don't we find that Avram also became a Malach? So the Chassam Sofer says as follows. Excuse me. Because if Avram Avinu could, would have done, like Hanoch did, to separate himself, and just so to speak, we'll use the term, sat in a cave, and just, you know, had an aesthetic lifestyle, Avram Avinu also could have came like, became like a Malach. Avram Avinu did not do this, his bone name because he contemplated he thought about what Hashem wants from him in the world, what Hashem wants from us in this world. Kosh doesn't just want us to work on the refinement of our own nefesh, for our own um, ability to steig and to rise in high levels of Ruchnius. There's this to leave the rest of the generation behind him and living in amongst people that are sinning and just so to speak completely ignoring them because you're focused only on your own avodas Hashem. Hanasayin Hazel Limon also, Avram Avinu realized, a person has to be able to lower himself, so to speak, or to not only be focused on attaining the highest level by himself, the man ribos kvot Hashem, in order to bring more kvot Hashem to spread Hashem's glory in this world, and to increase people to serve Hashem. I'm just end with this. What does it add, and what does it, what does it, what's the um, benefit for a person? What does a person gain from just becoming another one of the thousands of malachim that Hashem could create, so to speak, on a whim? Avraham Avinu realized that the reason why we're here in this world is not just to rise to a high madrega because a person can rise to a high madrega and do that to the highest level and literally become a maloch but that's not what Hashem wants from us in this world. The reason why Avram is called Avram Ohavi and Avram was chosen to be um, the leader of or the ultimate leader of what we have as a Jewish nation is because he went out of his own comfort zone and was willing to lower himself to rise, to raise up people with him. He wasn't focused only on his own uh, growth but he was interested in bringing other people close to Hashem. And with that, we know, obviously, Avram Steig himself and became a tremendous um, Oif Hashem and Eved Hashem. Let's explain this a little further. We have, we know also during this time period between um, Pesach and Shavuos, we have the Minig of learning Pirkei Avos. So in Perak Beis, I'm going to quote a few Mishnayis. I want to try to bring out this message as well from the Mishnayis. The Mishnah tells us, in the middle of Perak Beis, there were five Talmidim to Rabbi Yochanan and Zakkai. The Mishnah goes on to list them. Rabbi Lazar ben Horkinus, who parenthetically was the Rebbe of um, Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Shua ben Hananiah, Rabbi Yosiak Kohen, Rabbi Shimon ben Nistan, and Rabbi Lazar ben Aruch. Okay, we're going to focus now on the last one, Rabbi Lazar ben Aruch. And we'll see throughout the Mishnahis, we'll just we'll list a bunch of things about each one of these great Tanoim. But let's just try to keep focus on Rabbi Lazar ben Aruch. He's going to be our main player here. So who Hayyamon Shvach and Rabbi Yochanan and Zakai would discuss the praises of each one of his Talmidim. Rabbi Lezer ben Horkinus was a bar sud she'inu ma'abetipa. He was like a sealed pit that never lost a drop, meaning he retained all his Torah. Rabbi Shua ben Hananiah, uh, about his student, Rabbi Shua ben Hanani said, Ashri Lato, fortunate is the one who gave birth to him. Rabbi Yossi Akoin, about his student, Rabbi Yossi Akoin, he said, Chassid, he's a pious person. Rabbi Shua ben Asanel, he said, Yirei Chait, he's a person who always has fear of sin. Rabbi Lazar ben Aruch, what was his Maila? He was the Mayan Hamasgaber. He was the spring that continuously strengthened itself. Again, so we have five Talmud of Yochem and Zakai, 
and uh, he lists the, the benefits or the milas of each one, and he says the Rablaza ben Arach is Mayin Hamaskaber. Why are we focusing particularly on, on, on Rablaza ben Arach? Because the next Mishnah says a very interesting thing. Who are you, Rabbi Yochanan and Zakai would say, if you would put all the Rabbonim, all the leaders of Klaiso on a scale, the Laza ben Horkinus, and Laza ben Horkinus, the other side of the scale, Machriyas Kulam, he would, so to speak, weigh down all them in his level of Torah and Avodah. However, Abishol Amr Mishmo, the Mishnah concludes that Abishol stand the name of Yochanan and Zakai differently. If all Chachmi Sor be in Kafnastayim and Rabbi Lazar and Horkinus would even be with them, somebody else would weigh them down. Who would weigh them down? Rabbi Lazar ben Arach be Rabbi Lazar ben Arach would weigh them down the second side. He would be Machriyas Kul, the Mishnah says he would weigh them all down. So let's just understand this for a minute. We're discussing all Tamid and Rabbi Yochanan and Zakai, each one obviously a tremendous tzaddik. All of them are Tanoi, we have throughout the Mishnayas and Gemara, each teaching us many important things. He's giving specific praises about each one. Rablazah ben Arach, who again we're going to focus on the most now, is the Mayan Hamaskaber. What does that mean? Let's just think about that for a minute. A spring, right, is a natural phenomenon that when we get close to the source of the spring, so we see the water bubbling up, it comes out with strength. The further someone moves away from the spring, so obviously the water pressure lowers and it starts trickling down. A Mayan Hamaskaber is even as I walk away and I'm leaving the spring, his influence is still so powerful that it's if there's a new burst of energy from the spring. So even though I'm walking further away, and it should be that the trickle is getting, the water pressure is going down, it's still pumping with, with energy. Um, and that's how Rabbi ben Arach is described. And then we say, the, the next mission we just said was that, according to the opinion of Abba Shalom, the Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, if all the Chacham would be on a scale, even the greater Blazer ben Horkinus, who we said was one of the Rebbein Rabbi Akiva, was tremendous, still our Blazer ben Arach would, would weigh them down. If we think about it, a scale, weigh them down, we know how a scale works, you put a weight on one side, and then you try to balance it out. So, but if he's Machri Askun, that means he's weighing the scale down. What's our Blazer ben Arach, the Svarim explained, when he's weighing down the scale, what does that mean? That means he's lowering himself to raise his generation up with him. When he's teaching Torah, he's the Mayan Hamaskaber, he's not doing it in a way that's putting down anybody or having less respect for anybody. He's doing it in a way where he's lifting everybody while he's lowering. The more he lowers himself, the more weight he carries because his greatness in Torah, the more he's able to lift everybody up so they could, uh, the more people, I should say, is able to lift up. Let's say one more mission. The Mishnah continues and says, Rabbi Yochanan Zakkai tells all his Talmidim, Suru'u, Ezu Derech Yishar Yashid Ba'adam. Go see what's the most straight path that a person should cling to. So again, we have all Tamidim weighing in over here. Rabbi Lezer Omer, Ayin Tov, a good eye. Rabbi Shu Omer, Chover Tov. Rabbi Yossi Omer, Shachin Tov, a good neighbor. Shimon Omer, Haroah Sanol. And each one of these is, is a shear unto itself, but we're going to focus on one thing now. Rabbi Lezer Omer, again, Rabbi Lezer Ben Arach says, Leif Tov, a good heart. Omer Lahans, Rabbi Yochem and Zakai says, Ro'ani es divrei Lezer Ben Arach mi divreichem. I choose the last one of Lezer Ben Arach who said Leif Tov above all the other ones. Shebechlal divar of divreichem. Because what Leif Tov includes everything he said. I think in what we're saying, the way we're explaining the Midah of Lazar ben Arach, he's the Mayan Hamasgaber, he's continuously able to influence people even as they move away from him. And how does he do that? Because of the respect. He's lowering himself to be able to influence as many people as possible. So a Leif Tov, someone has a good heart, he's empathetic, he's understanding of people, he's able to relate to everybody. That's the Midah Rabbi Yochanan and Zakai chose as the prime Midah for his Talmidim to have and says that's the best thing. It's not a coincidence that Leif Tov is Gematria 49. 
right? The 49 days that we have from when we leave Mitzrayim until we get to Torah, what do we have to work on? This idea, according to some svar, right, we have to work on many things, but an idea of Leif Tov, um, uh, coming to understand people and be able to be there to help other, uplift other people, that's Rav Laza ben Aruch. So I want to take this back a little bit now. Let's go to try to, our best to understand Tamid of Rabbi Akiva. Obviously, these are madregas that are way above our pay grade, and we're dealing with tzaddikim, Yisraeli Oilam, but on the best level we could, way I, I can understand it is that when the Medrash told us that Shehosa Eneim Tzara Elu Be'elu, the Talmidim were studying Torah, but their eyes weren't able to look at each other, and the way the Yifei Torah said it, the words we quoted before was, They weren't able to help and be there for one another with their learning. Were they sitting and learning? Yes, they were sitting and learning, but they were not able to have the respect for one another in a way that they can uplift one another in their learning and to continuously spread Torah past it, so to speak, like Hanoch. Hanoch achieved great levels. He went up to be a Malach. It's unbelievable. The Talmud of Rabbi Kiva obviously learned a lot of Torah and have a lot of schusim. But in order for there to be a continuity, we go with the Avon Ravinu Mahalach, so to speak. We go with the Mahalach of being there to help spread it to other people and help raise other people up uh, around us. And that's the idea of a Lev Tov, and that's the idea of the uh, of the kaf, of the, of the balance, of the scale, that the greater a person is, the more he's able to lower himself and raise more, uh, more, people, up, more, more people up with him. And in this past week's Pirkei Avos, in the third parak, so we had the Mishnah, famous Mishnah of Shnaim Sheyoshrin, two people that sit, Torah, if they're not discussing words of Torah, Harezeh Moshe Leitzim. Automatically, the Mishnah calls it, it's like a bunch of scoffers sitting around and being cynical. So, why is that? Just because people are not learning Torah means they become emotionalism. So I saw one shot uh, in the Pirish of Ram Shor Shlitov. He said that the way he understood the Mishnah is Shnaim Shiyoshvin, Vein Benehem They're both sitting and they're learning. But they're not talking to each other and learning. They're not able to communicate words of Torah to help uplift each other because the way they're looking at one another with this idea that they're not looking at each other with respect. The reason why they don't want to have Torah between them is because. You know, what, what do you have to tell me about Torah? I, I know, and why, I'm not listening to it. You know, I'm, I don't want to hear your vart, etc. That automatically is a Moshe Leitzim. Moshe Leitzim is a toxic environment, and that's going to be a place where Torah cannot spread and Torah cannot grow. Let's uh, move on to um, take this a little further to Matan Torah itself. We know that the Torah was, the world was created for the day of Matan Torah. That's Bishvil Torah, Bishvil Yisrael. All the different chazals. We come, we leave Mitzrayim, we know we are on a march to get to Matan Torah, we have a date, we have to get there, etc. The Gemara tells us, Machlokas uh, in the Gemara, but the way we paskin is the opinion of Rabbi Yossi, that the Gemara says, Moshe Rabbeinu was Hosef Yom Echad Midaito. Moshe Rabbeinu added one day. HaKadosh Baruch Hu told Moshe that there are certain days of separation, that everyone has to get ready to prepare for Matan Torah, starting from the first few days of Sivan, and that was a two day calculation. Moshe felt that that wouldn't be enough. Again, there's a detailed discussion in the Gemara um, of why Moshe Rabbeinu felt this way, and Hashem agreed to him, but Moshe Rabbeinu was most of Yom Echad Midaito. The way that, we're not going to go through the whole Gemara, but the Gemara explains Moshe Rabbeinu was concerned that certain people won't be able to become Tahar on, on time, and everyone has to be in a level of, of Tahar in order to um, be Mechabal the Torah. Who was Moshe Rabbeinu concerned about? There were some women it was not men, it was only some women, I don't know how many, but it was not the majority, who were not going to be able to be there for Matan Torah. And Moshe Rabbeinu decided that if the whole Klai Yisrael can't be there, men, women, etc., then the whole Klai Yisrael is going to push off the day that the whole world was created for. This is what everyone's waiting for. 
in order that everyone can receive the Torah. I think this fits in just very well, that there's, there's no room when we're discussing Torah and growth and Avodah Hashem, if it's not going to include or to give the opportunity for everyone to be there and to grow from it, even though they can, you know, they'll, they'll watch the 10 o'clock news, they can, they'll get the story later, they'll hear from their kids, they'll hear from their husbands, they can get the whole, they can get the whole drama of what happened in Mount Torah and the Kafale Markagigas. They could have stayed home, so to speak, but no, if they were not going to be able to be there, Moshe Rabbeinu said the whole Klai Yisrael has to wait in order for, in order for everybody to, to attend properly. So I think we bring this back now, uh, long-winded, to, uh, to Pesach Sheini. So here we have people, um, again, anonymous people, for the most part, in the way the Torah doesn't tell us who they are, and they come to complain to Moshe. What's their complaint? The catchphrase they say is Lomani Gora. Why should we be left out? Why, why are we here and why should we suffer, so to speak, of lacking this connection to Hashem? It's interesting. We don't find that people who maybe missed Lulav and Esrig, or people who missed sitting in a sukkah, or uh, any other mitzvah you choose, we don't find necessarily that a group came to Moshe and said, well, Something came up, we missed it, give us a makeup. Pesach is the only time we have a makeup. And I was thinking about it, and the best way I was able to understand it was based on the words of the Chinuch. So the Sefer Chinuch, as we know, explains each one of the mitzvahs, and he tries to give a shoresh and understanding, a foundation of understanding the mitzvah. Excuse me. So mitzvah Shin Pei 380, which is the mitzvah of Pesach Sheni, he says the following. He says, Mishar Shea Mitzvah, at the essence of this mitzvah of Pesach Sheni is the fisha mitzvah of Pesach who ois chazak uboror the mitzvah of Pesach Rishon. The idea of Pesach is a sign for to us and strengthen the kol roe Hashemesh bechidush olam for everybody who sees the sun to understand that Hakadosh Baruch Hu is running the world because the way Hakadosh Baruch Hu performed the nisim for us um, when we left Mitzrayim v'ro kol amehoretz ki hashkachaso v'yecholto betachtonim everyone the whole world saw. HaKadosh Baruch Hu running the world. And it's a time, as we know, we call Pesach the Chag HaMuna, the time for us to strengthen our Amuna, And it's a time for each one of us to relive the experience of, of Mitzrayim, etc. So there was a group of people who missed that experience. Every mitzvah has an experience attached to it. Lulav, Tefillin, Sukkah, you name it, there's always something we can grow from. But the nation as a whole experienced Pesach in a way that exalted them all. And they felt that if there's a mitzvah here that everyone's gaining from, that we're going to be lacking something, we ha- there has to be a way for us to connect to it as well. It's not possible for the unit of Kalei Yisrael, like we see from Matan Torah. It has to be that if there's Kalei Yisrael is going to be exalted and they're going to get to Torah, it works as, as a unit. And therefore they felt, Loma Nigara, why is it that we're going to be left out? So the words of the Chinachar, Akein Hayyam Eritzonai Baruch was from the will of Hashem, the zakos the mitzvah zu hanechpedes kolish meisrael. He wanted to give the merit to every single person in Klai Yisrael to be able to experience this level of having a higher level of emuna and becoming closer to Hashem through reliving the experience of Mitzrayim. So I think like this: it's irrelevant who these people were from our perspective. They weren't people with special protection. These weren't people that were, you know, from the upper echelons necessarily of society. They were great people, but I'm just saying they didn't have to be. It could have been anybody. If, so, if we come as a, as with a proper taina or proper expectation that Kalal Yisrael is experiencing a high, Kalal Yisrael is experiencing a way to get close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, there has to be a way for us to get into it as well. It can't be that we're going to be excluded from experiencing such, such, a, such an experience 
of getting close to Hashem. So whether it's Matan Torah, like we said, or here, why it's Pesach Sheni. Particularly here, the Torah is teaching us to see so we don't care who it is, so to speak. It's people that we don't know their names in the Torah. They don't get that recognition. So we shouldn't think, oh, it's because of them. That's why I got paid. It's because of every one of us. It could have been us. It could have been somebody else. It doesn't make a difference who it was. Um, and they weren't necessarily special beforehand. They realized this idea that they have to um, grow together with Kla Yisrael. So they came, to this, they came with this phrase of Loma Nigara. And I think the reason why... Kalah Yisrael throughout the years kept this mitzvah alive, so to speak. Like we said in the beginning, there's really no halakhic significance to this mitzvah. It didn't apply to most of us in the times of the Beis HaMikdash, and especially after the Beis HaMikdash, there's no halakhic significance. But the reason why we keep it alive, I think, is because for the spirit of the mitzvah. Because this mitzvah represents the idea that if we come with a proper taina, in a a nice way, right? Not for egotistical reasons, not for any any side reasons, but for the reason that Kalah Yisrael is experiencing an aliyah, we want to be part of it, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will enable us to, to Be'ez HaShem, get there. And even if we miss the first showing, so to speak, we miss Pesach Rishon, there's Pesach Sheni. There are other ways that Kalah Yisrael was able to experience it. What levels they were able to achieve through Pesach Sheni, I don't know exactly. But they were able to achieve something that was on some level on, on par with that, with that experience of the first Pesach. So I think just this message to take away, um, we should never think that we can't experience something for some, for some reason. There are all types of life happenings that happen, whether with a young family, older family, etc. Any, any, uh, any, any part of life experience, if we come with the right attitude that there's an experience here that's uplifting Kalal Yisrael, and we want to be part of it, and we dive in properly, Be'ez HaShem HaKadosh Baruch will answer us, and we'll show next year to bring the real carbon Pesach. Amen.